If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. To Jeff Cameron Show 979 ESPN Radio. Hello, hope you're well. Thanks for listening to us. I'm Jeff. That is Director Matthew. We're online, ESPNTallahassee.com. I think I've had these in. I just realized something. I gotta clean this place up. Goodness gracious. I have had these La Bandarita flour tortillas in here for a long time. Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted me to throw those away, so I kept them in there the other day. This is a. Uh, I got, I got to tell you, you know, we talk about influencers and uh, NIL. I could probably endorse the La Banderita flour tortillas and uh, and make some money. They're very, very good. When are you going to get some five-hour energy money? I should get five-hour energy money. I ought to get coffee money. I mean, there ought to be a wrestling match between CEOs for big-time coffee-producing entities for my services, given the amount of coffee I drink and my real love and passion for it. I'm drinking coffee right now. Don't mind if I do. Um, mm, nothing like a cup of joe. Uh, but I, I do. I love coffee. And I like these flour tortillas. Now, I brought these in probably three years ago. <laughs> I don't know how long ago I brought these in. But I brought these in because, you know, Every now and again, I'd get some tuna, and I'd, I'd get, like, some oil and vinegar, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, and you roll it up in one of these La Banderitas, and you go to work. It's good stuff, and uh, it's relatively healthy. But, I mean, there's no sugar added. There's no hydrogenated oils. There's no uh, no lard, no lard in the making of these things. No cholesterol, zero cholesterol. It's made with unbleached flour, too. So it's un-American. Do you hear me, sir? Please go pick yourself up some La Banderita flour tortillas. Tell them Jeff sent you. Anyhow, I like them. I do. And uh, they should they should give me money. And I'll tell everybody about their 20 tortilla packs. Get them very cheap, very tasty. I find peanut butter. Uh, you know, really good flaxseed peanut butter you get after. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Anyhow, so sorry. Do you like crunchy or creamy peanut creamy. butter? Creamy. I used to be a crunchy kind of guy. 
Too much going on there these days. Just give me the creamy peanut butter. I'll tell you what's good. And we're, we're sidetracked here, and I'll get back to it in a second. But what's really, really good, and I can't, you know, this is why it's important that you exercise. Now, I exercise at Orange Theory Fitness. You guys know that. was there yesterday getting after it. I'll be getting after it again tomorrow morning. But uh, I think one of the ways that, you know, you stay honest with your workout routine and you go to a great place like Orange Theory Fitness is it allows you the freedom to occasionally indulge yourself with things like craft beer, but also um, certain food items that you know damn well aren't good for you, that whatever concoction. Don't we all make some sort of thing that we've, some hybrid that we've put together over time where we just kind of mixed and matched stuff? Back in the day, now I don't do this anymore because, and I don't have any desire to, but the little Debbie for those fudge rounds, Remember, the fudge rounds are damn delicious, okay? And there can't be anything good about a fudge round. I'm sure of it. But I don't even know if there's real fudge or chocolate. Who knows what they're made of? But they're delicious, whatever they're made out of. I used to, when I was in high school, take fudge rounds, two of them. So you've got the, they're already, there's two layers plus the creamy stuff in the middle. I'd take that as one layer, grab another fudge round as the second, as if they were bread items, and then I would smear large clumps of peanut butter between the two fudge rounds, push them together like they were a sandwich, a fudge round sandwich. I would put them on a paper towel and put them in the microwave. Just a little 20-second little 20-second heat job. Now, all of a sudden, you've got some sort of slowly melted peanut butter between these fudge round patties, and then you got to take a fork and a knife. Oh, that's where it's at. Really good stuff. Probably 4,000 calories. Probably four, and but when you're 16 and you're playing sports and you don't, and you know your metabolism is going a million miles per hour, you could sit down and eat fudge round sandwiches, and you made those things up. I miss the creations. My cousin used to drive my dad up the wall when he would come over <laughs> to my house to play video games all night on a weekend, because my dad would go grocery shopping and get real on food. like a Friday. Yeah, he'd get a pack of honey buns. When he got up on Saturday They're morning, gone, there baby. were no more honey buns. No honey buns. And there's probably nothing good about a honey bun either. Except the name. That's one I'm going to call Christy here soon. Hey, honey buns. Let's chop, chop on that beer. <laughs> per yesterday's program. Honey buns. Got any cold ones in there? I'm getting ready to watch a little football. <laughs> No, but you make things when you're a kid and you're creative. Like It's like you make up these games. We talk about this on the show all the time. We make up sports-related games that are kind of hybrids or hodgepodge. Like, okay, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of football. We used to have this game where we'd create – so we'd take a like a soccer ball and we had these big industrial – Size uh, these buckets that people would use to put uh, to create uh, cement in, you know, and they're they're kind of big buckets. And behind them, we'd put up a card table, you know, one of these makeshift card tables. You put the bucket in front of the card table, so that's your backboard. And now you got like a soccer ball or some sort of smaller ball. But here's the thing: you can take two to three steps, don't have to dribble, but then the ball's got to be out of your hands. And if you take more than two steps, you're eligible to be knocked to the ground. So defensively, you could take people out. It's a, depending on how willing you were to push the envelope and your aggressiveness to get to the basket. I know after that second step, a hit is coming from somebody. But you got to gauge your match. That's a good game. It was a fun game. It, it was basketball, football, and lacrosse all mixed into one. Those are fun games. 
And I miss those games. I miss, like, sitting around with a group of guys, well, kids, and saying, okay, well, what if we did this? Well, and then you would always make a rule because you'd see the error in your ways. It's like NIL. We're going to talk about the things they're going to have to fix. In, in, in essence, this is good, but we're going to have to fix some things. All right, well, that's true as you make up sports. You're kind of like, all right, what if we have to do this? And then immediately something would happen. Somebody would find a loophole, and then they would take advantage of it and win the game. And then all the other kids would go, no, man, that's not it. That's not what we do. That's no fun. We can't do that. We're all just going to do that from now on. If Keith's able to do that, we're all going to do it. Can't do that anymore, Keith. Okay, we'll make the rule. All right, so then the new rule was can't do that, whatever that was. Got to do this instead. Okay, now we're whittling it down. Now you're allowed to do this, this, and this, but you can't do that. And eventually you vet all of these things, and you get, like, you might even have somebody write down the damn rules. That was the best. Same with food items. You know, if you took a fudge round and you mix it with a honey bun, and then you put a little whipped cream on top, yeah, and you're just, you hear that now and you think, I could puke. During the uh, break between hours, I wanted to go back. I missed, because it's so rare, as I joke in honor of Corey Clark, that Packer and Durham are talking football. I went back and listened to and watched the McKenzie Milton interview on Packer and Durham. And you know something? And I've been doing this all week long. Just a little taste here and there. As it hits me, I pass it off over to you. As it uh, strikes me or strikes my fancy or whatever you, you would say there, I, you, you kind of go, okay. So, you know, I was down, you guys know this, I was down on the field for the spring game, watching the interaction of the players and seeing it at field level and listening to the coaches. And, it, and I was able to gain, um, you know, I think valuable information, learn a little bit about those relationships and how those coaches coach and the interaction between the players and their segment groups and all that. And that's valuable to get a sense of where we're at. Uh, also, of course, being field level, you really see the size and the speed and the areas in which that's strong or, or, or lacking. But because I was at that level, I did not really see, and I probably should have gone back and, and analyzed more. I just didn't. Uh, all of the throws from varying angles that, that both Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton made, and while I was able to see really quite a bit of improvement from Jordan Travis who, as a passer, as a thrower, um, you know, he had a long way to go at the end of last year. So I think any discernible progress was going to be readily apparent. You know, when, you know, when you're not that good a thrower from the pocket and then suddenly you make a few really accurate throws on time in rhythm – that's going to really stand out because my lasting memory was that he was a playmaker and that he was a guy who, when things broke down, you wanted the ball with his ha- in his hands. But, man, in third and six, got to get the ball out on time. People know you're throwing the ball. Wasn't very accurate consistently. Wasn't very good in those situations. So right away, I saw him make a lot of progress, and that made me feel good. And, of course, the, the two or three really big throws Mackenzie Milton had in this spring game, especially the one down the seams in between two defenders – on time, perfect lead, great placement, uh, really just a, a great rhythmic throw, everything about it. Uh, he had another throw on the left sideline that is really elite as well. Um, just made plays, and it was good to see that because we've talked a lot so far post that, pre the upcoming camp. Those were areas that you know he had to improve on based on what we had seen on earlier in spring camp. But, of course, he was also learning the offense and – overcoming injury and uh, getting back in the saddle again. 
But just now watching that video during the break, because I wanted to, I actually wanted to look up a quote. Wow, there are a couple throws there that got me thinking of this Notre Dame game. And Notre Dame's chief concern as they come into the season is, you know, obviously having uh, to make a change at quarterback. And they brought in a, a Wisconsin tra- transfer that I've talked about, the, the Jack Cohn kid. And so, you know, you're replacing a multi-year starter in the form of Ian Book, and you're bringing in a new guy. It could take a little time. We'll see. Maybe not. I mean, look, it could just be that they're bigger, stronger, faster, and at the end of the day, they're able to muscle their way into good positions, and Florida State's unable to overcome all of that. But if Mackenzie Milton wins the job, and again, I think he's going to, and he's able, let's say he's just one of these guys, as we've seen and as we certainly saw at UCF, that when the lights come on, he's a gamer. He's just a, a guy who's ready to get it on, and the lights come on, and he elevates his level of play above and beyond what we've witnessed in practice. Makes throws. Makes his teammates better. Makes everybody better. Uh, I guess what I'm getting at here is, other than the North Carolina game, there aren't too many games without weird sets of circumstances. Like that Georgia Tech game was a weird circumstance. But there aren't too many games where Florida State came out swinging and got a lead. The North Carolina game, obviously, they got a huge lead. Everything went right early on for Florida State in that game. But where you came out and you established something on offense and your quarterback made plays and you got up and you felt like that was something that was maybe somewhat sustainable, you know, that that, that those throws are there. And the accuracy there, and those, because we keep talking about how the defense is going to have to be a lot better. We keep talking about what is it the defense is going to have to do to show vast improvement. That might help for starters to not always be put in such a terrible position. To you know, again, the problem last year with this defense wasn't that the offense wasn't any good. I'm just saying that if you don't have something that is sustainable, reliable, and identity on offense. You know, flipping field position because you sustain drives when you make big third down throws into tight windows and keep them off the field a little bit longer. We we could not do that a year ago. We were explosive in the sense that if you were going to make a play, oftentimes it was Jordan Travis doing something freaky good and then making guys miss, buying time, throwing somebody open in, in a situation where he bought time and or eluding the rush and making big plays with his legs. But we weren't consistent and we didn't make – drive-sustaining throws on third down when you had to have it. And that goes an awful long way in helping your defense. Keeping them off the field, letting them rest, giving them opportunities to adjust themselves, You know, allowing coaches to talk them, with them about the good and the bad and what they've got to fix. I just, I don't know, I'm looking at a bunch of little things that could add up, and that those throws got me to thinking, well, if you're going to make those throws, because there's two in really tight windows there, and that was the biggest thing that was lacking a year ago, we just did not make tight window throws. People think I'm hard on Jordan Travis. No, I mean, Jordan Travis was the best we had. And it's not like I, I, I wanted James Blackman to start. I'm like, Jordan Travis has got to be out there to give us any chance to win with the offensive line that we had and the inconsistency at receiver. I mean, you, you were going to have to do that. But it was not ideal. And he was not a guy that when everything's working well and efficiently keeps drives alive with big, you know, drive alive, uh, drives alive, I should say, excuse me, with big tight window throws on third down. 
And I do think if McKenzie wins the job, that will happen. You are going to get some of those throws. And that leads to a more rested defense and a chance to uh, to play with the lead uh, a little bit more frequently than, than we had all of last year. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. So this isn't a thin the herd moment. A lot of time when I read about people being attacked by animals, being mauled and or maimed and killed by animals, I find myself rooting for the animal. I, I think, oh, well, that, that's good. Either that person was being stupid and approaching a wild animal on their turf, or worse yet, they were in that situation perhaps being hunted, so they defended themselves as one would. Um... Or somebody blatantly ignored the signs, quite literal signs that say, stay away from here. (laughs) So when you read that, you go, well, that's more air for the rest of us. That woman who was mauled by the crocodiles after stepping into the waters behind the sign that said, danger, crocodiles, don't swim. Well, you know, I don't spend a lot of time feeling sorry for those people. But this doesn't fall into that category, and it's weird that it comes on the heels of a conversation that I had with my dad yesterday, which was that we were watching a shark special, and it was about um, this uptick, I think it was like in 2009, where uh, somewhere in Hawaii, they went from like two fatal attacks inside of 10 years to six in one year, and they were trying to figure out why, what triggered it. Was it more people inhabiting that area of the island? Was it so an uptick in tourism, if you will? Was it something in the water? Was it um, were there more seals in that location that had migrated to that area and that thus the sharks followed, whatever it might be? And we were talking about what it would be like to be attacked by an apex predator. And I this just falls into the category of things that I'm infinitely fascinated by. You know, they recently found bones, Matthew. Um, in what would be in modern-day Finland, uh, and, and, and it was thousands of years old, and they, they saw all these wounds on the bones, and they were like, oh, this person was bludgeoned to death or something terrible happened to this person. And then the more they investigated, the more they realized that the person was likely attacked by uh, a, a bear-like creature, a, a, an ancient bear, and, and mauled to death, and that they were in their 20s. That's a toughie. Got caught on the open range there, wandering about, looking for food and shelter, and became the food for somebody else. Our ancestors, and that makes it all the more a wonder that you're here today, or that I'm here. Think about all of the things that had to happen, including the sperm making it home. But then, not only that, somewhere in that chain that later became us, way, way back, is somebody hauling ass to try to get up a tree and avoid a saber-toothed tiger which eventually becomes, you know, a father. or And then that father becomes, you know, 
there's that kid who becomes a father, who becomes a father, who becomes a father. And then down the line we go, and eventually we get to us. We're here. Hey, we made it. A lot of dodging of scary death, terrible death, long nights in cold caves, a whole lot of, I think we're going to die out here. This is not good. A lot of grunting to avoid, I don't know, the woolly mammoth or whatever it might be. But I do like reading those who were less fortunate, who did not make it through those time and whose ancestors never were to be. That chain ended right there. That's it. That's all. He couldn't get to the cave in time, didn't get to the water in time, was unable to run up that tree, and the saber-toothed tiger did get him. So I read this story. When three campers were woken up by a grizzly bear, they took the proper safety precautions. First of all, if you wake up as a camper to the sound of a grizzly bear in your campsite, you probably immediately second-guess the decision to go camping. Anywhere where grizzlies might be, not a good idea. I get it. Beautiful under those stars until you're eaten by a grizzly. They removed food from the area, secured their tents, and went back to sleep. Oh, no, no. Round them up, everybody. We're out of here. I just heard a grizzly. Peace. Who's going back to sleep? Oh, I told you, Alice, put away the hot dogs. No, 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 no. They went back to sleep, that according to Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks officials. They were camping near Obando, Montana. Obando, Montana. If I'm saying that wrong, I apologize. I'm sure it's beautiful. It's a small rural town northwest of Helena. Hours later, a couple in the group were, again, startled, awakened, by the sounds of a grizzly bear attack this time around. The 400-pound grizzly yanked a woman from her tent while she was sleeping. Doesn't happen if you already skedaddled the first warning you were given. Tough way to go. Leah Davis Loken, 65 years old from Chico, California, mauled to death by a grizzly. The couple sprayed the bear with bear spray. Uh, Okay. It hasn't been seen since. For two days, officials have searched for the grizzly bear by helicopter and on the ground, but they still have not found it. Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks bear specialists and wardens are continuing to monitor the culvert traps set in the area. The search even included the use of uh, infrared technology from two bear air rescue out of uh, Kalispell, but efforts to find the bear are now just focusing on the traps. The grizzly also ate several chickens in a coop. That's a tough ending for those chickens. You're stuck in a coop. Oh, the moment you see that bear. We're just sitting ducks or chickens, if you will. That's a toughie. At this point, our best chance for catching this bear will be the trap set in the area near the chicken coop where the bear killed and ate several of those chickens. What a feast. He's just like, oh, chickens. Bears have been increasingly wandering into new areas in Montana as the population grows. Go figure. State wildlife officials said the state is bear country and is home to the largest grizzly population in the United States. The majority of bear encounters don't involve any conflict. The bears are typically seeking a food source. Yes, you. People recreating outdoors or recreating is a better way of saying that, Jeff. In bear territory, you should always carry bear spray and know how to use it. 
Something strikes me as ineffective about bear spray. I feel like just a spray, like here's like an aerosol can, like, ah, get away. Like that doesn't feel like that's going to work, does it? I also think we need to rethink our safety precautions because if just taking food out of your tent is the quote-unquote proper safety precaution. It's not a good one. That's not a good one. No, it's not a good one. You know, the sad truth of all of this is, is that's not, not like the population is going to stop growing. You're just going to read. If you like these stories, you're going to read about them more and more. It's a sad ending to many of these creatures and what's happening to the land they live on. And I'm not, this is not some diatribe. I'm just telling you, this is the reality. I mean, we're running out of room. And the animals never win this battle. They're not going to. And so, you know, you go out into bear territory as it's known and is the largest bear population in the country. Guess we shouldn't be too shocked when people get killed by said bears. But my thing is always, invariably, you read these stories and there's a moment in time where a crucial decision has to be made and it's the wrong one. It's always the wrong one. And I don't know a thing about camping. I'm not a camping kind of guy. I love the wilderness. I love the outdoors. I love the ocean. I don't want to sleep outside. Not a big fan. I like that we build houses with air conditioning and cable. Pillows and blankets, doors that are locked, windows that are sealed. I like that. I like going to bed knowing nothing's getting in here. I'm good to go. Double locked, 10th floor. Spider-Man ain't cupping up on the side. I got this. We're going to be okay. Lights out, everybody. I I get that I'm not outdoors and I'm not getting the, the, the joys of nature, but I can do that during the day. Be out there and see it. It's lovely. It's in this wonderful. Oh, getting a little dark. Probably should take it back to civilization, everybody. We're on their turf. Always struck me at the beginning of Jaws. What are you doing swimming out past the buoy in the dead of night? Sharks hunt at night? What are we doing? You had to go. You had to die, lady. You deserve that. And if you've ever been in the ocean at night, oh, no, 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 no. Let a little piece of seaweed bump up against your leg. Nope, 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 nope. That bear was loving life. That bear had to have been like, look at this, chickens with nowhere to go. Dead, gotcha. Oh, people in a tent. Dead, gotcha. And look at this lady. She's 65. She ain't out running nothing. It's a toughie. Is that a, is that a usual um, response to a bear killing a or I guess any animal. Oh, yeah, they get they gotta, they gotta kill it. Why? It, well, because it, if it kills humans, it will kill humans again. Most oh. most bears are afraid. It's just you know we, we make too much noise and sounds, and we're not they're they're not accustomed to seeing us, and so they unless they're protecting their cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're protecting, well, you're dead. If you come across a mother protecting, you're dead. There's no that thing, you know the instincts kick in, and you can call it a day. <laughs> There's no getting out, but. If you just encounter a bear on a trail and it's at a distance and you're at a distance and it's not protecting cubs and you kind of just back up slow, it doesn't really want to part. Most of the time it'll just run away. But when they get aggressive like that and they're looking for food and then they find a human and they kill, oh, you you got to put them down. That's the sad part about all this is that the bear ends up dying, but but the bear was desperate and hungry and sick. Chef Cameron Show, 97 at ESPN Radio.
These stories will trickle in. It will be interesting to follow. I'm actually more than anything else interested in following the development of the uh, NIL announcements uh, more than I am really scrutinizing and worrying about the results of it because I think it will write itself in time. You are going to see areas in which almost it will be universally agreed upon uh, that you know something is a good or bad thing. But right now it's kind of nebulous. But I, I, you know, every day that goes by, you start checking nationally the papers to see, well, is there anybody locally doing something that's truly unique? And, you know, last night, Front Row Knowles had Dylan Gibbons on, and that, that's, a, that's a great interview, and it's a great story, and it's a great use of your profile and ability to affect um, uh, positive change and uh, with the new NIL rules being what they are. He could do that. It seems almost absurd that uh, under the old rules he couldn't. Uh, and so there's a case where I don't know anybody that would be upset by that. They would they would read that story and have read that story. It's gone viral. And they say, yeah, that's awesome. But typically they kind of furrow their brow a little bit when the story is that of a player making real money. I find what's interesting more than anything else so far, Matthew, is that with few exceptions, the the, the people that are about to make real money, at least early on in this process, um, with NIL is, are, are people that a lot of uh, sports fans around the country do not even know. Uh, they're, they're gymnasts and the like that have huge social media followings. And good for them for cashing in on that. And there's some gymnasts at LSU that I've never heard of that apparently of all of the collegiate athletes out there has the most amount of social media presence and followers on like TikTok. And I don't have TikTok, so I don't know. And I'm not, that's not a judgy sort of way of saying I don't have TikTok. But I don't. I don't have it kind of doesn't, I don't know, I just just don't have it. I I don't care to have it. Um, The few times I've looked at TikTok, my kids have it, and I wish they didn't, but the few times that I've looked at it, I see how addicting it could be. You just It's one video after the next, and you kind of chuckle, and it seems, for the most part, harmless, but next thing you know, two hours of your day is gone. I just don't have the time. It's just a... It's a dark hole to go down. You're just like, okay, I did nothing today, but for three hours, I did look at these videos. It's tough. Anyhow, I get that it's not, I'm not in that age group. It's not my thing. And every generation has the next thing. And most of the time, the generation that uh, preceded it doesn't get it, especially if they're two generations removed. They're like, what? What is this? So I knew that a lot of the money that you would read about changing hands would be for athletes that have huge, influential social media platforms. So if you're a soccer player or, a, in this case, a gymnast or somebody that plays um, you know, an Olympic sport, a lot of people outside of that area that you live in will not even know who you are. Like, I don't know who the best uh, female um, track star is in college sports. I, I don't have any idea. I don't know who the best male is, for that matter. Um, but, there are, but, they, but if they have... Let's say they, they, they check all the boxes. Uh, they're funny. They put together intriguing videos. They're athletically uh, gifted. They're beautiful. You know, they might have a million followers. Well, that is enticing to uh, advertisers as opposed to being a starting defensive end for, say, Western Michigan. Play a more high-profile sport, but I don't know that advertisers really care because you'd have to really have a huge following to be an influencer, as they say. You know, that's where the money is is going to lie. Yeah, this gymnast, um, 
named Olivia Dune. Does she have over a Dunn. million followers or something like that? Yeah, she has four million followers on TikTok and another one point one on Instagram. Yeah, so she that and she's no, instantly going to be rich. No college athlete has more combined social media followers than she. So does. what's her trick? Is she is she just like is she a dancer? I mean, I know she's a gymnast. I'm saying like, what does she do on social media? I can't imagine it's just uh, flipping about. It it's not hard to see why she has a lot of followers. I I, I see. I see. Okay. Well, like I guessed. Like I guessed. By the way, that's undefeated. Both ways. Good-looking men, good-looking women attract followers. Especially if they're scantily clad and they're willing to flash and do the things that uh, we see on social media, right? I mean, and I'm not saying, I don't mean, I'm not suggesting something lurid. I'm saying, you know, to be scantily clad while you exercise, for for example, or dance. I bring it up to say this. We're going to see a lot of changes in the coming years and adjustments to how this works right now it does feel like a bit of a free-for-all and every day you get another story last thursday of course it was dear king became became a a, a guy that uh, was was linked with mckenzie milton obviously as they were able to ink multiple endorsement deals with florida companies announcing a podcast that was Derek king with ryan ragone and launched an online nil platform with mckenzie milton here at florida state um on Tuesday, American Top Team, a Coconut Creek-based mixed martial arts team and gym chain, committed to $540,000 in scholarships to Miami football players, and founder Dan Lambert launched Bring Back the U, a marketing company designed to link up local businesses with uh, hurricane players. So now everybody's going to be looking around at this, right, and thinking, oh, well, what's to keep boosters and other supporters from doing the same? So the... This is the concept. This is where it gets interesting. Um, American Top Team's announcement finally made an idea click into place for Doer. He spent about 24 or 36 hours formulating some more specifics, and Florida announced its initiative Wednesday. Right now, the concept is simple. The Florida Panthers, their pro hockey team, obviously, the one that the Lightning vanquished in the first round of the NHL playoffs this year, but I think turned out to be the toughest test for the Bolts. Uh, on the Panthers' website, there's a portal for athletes to enter their information. As far as we know, this is the first professional sports team to get involved with collegiate athletes with the new NIL concepts. So there's a portal for athlete, athletes. They enter their information, their school and their sport, but also their social media information, and they connect with the local NHL team for promotional opportunities. As of now... He said that they mostly envision Florida athlete as an extension of Florida's already existing social media influencing program, just switching it over to athletes. However, this gentleman with the last name Dor, who joined the Panthers in April, said, I, th- I think it can become an e- I think it can become even more than that. The simplest and easiest way to implement partnership opportunities are social media posts, paid appearances, and merchandise reveals. So it's easy to imagine an FIU Panther tweeting about student night at the BB&T Center or an FAU Owl showing up for an FAU alumni night in Sunrise or a Miami football player posting a picture of himself in a jersey as part of an orchestrated reveal or even some Florida players and other local college athletes doing a video series together. Yeah, so in that sense, and I read this, obviously this is the Miami Herald, by the way, that I'm reading from, and that's why they're concentrated on South Florida, but also because the Florida Panthers appear to be the first professional sports franchise to reach out and want to get involved in this capacity. But I do not fear this because, and, and also, what's the problem here? 
So what? A kid's gonna get some gear. So you're gonna you you reveal the newest uniform, and you know you or it's FAU alumni night and sunrise. Like how much money? And I, again, I don't care. But how much money is that? Is that kid gonna get? What are you gonna get? Ten ten grand to be an influencer and pose a picture in front of BB and T. You get free shirts. Who cares? Good, good. Good. Um, you know, promotional agreements, things like that. You get a an appearance fee at a restaurant. You know, I think I think what's going to end up happening, and I, I'll be very curious. And that's why, in the interim, I'm kind of remaining quiet, sitting back, reading, interested to see what what is developed. I do anticipate some problems, but I I think what we're going to find out is again there are very few instances where that person, the woman that you just uh, alluded to, is having over a million followers on Instagram and four million on TikTok, like those. That's not the norm. There's just not going to be a lot of money for the backup right guard that plays at Michigan to be at a restaurant. I mean, how much money is a restaurant owner going to pay that person for, a, you know, take a picture with Gary Knight? I mean, I, I can't imagine it's going to be that lucrative for the vast majority of student athletes. I think that's what you're going to find. But where there are opportunities certainly seem to me uh, lie within the social media realm. Uh, this is according to a 2018 Vox report, uh, but the average influer, influencer excuse me, uh, can take home anywhere from thirty to $100,000 per year by promoting products on their social media. Yeah. Users with more than 1 million followers can make more than 100000 or even up to 250000 Yeah, well, what you do now, there is a way to track this. It, it's based on followers in the percentage you get based on followers. That's anybody, by the way. That's you. That's me. Let alone a student athlete. Um, yeah. No. I, I mean, I got approached about doing something, and not, what, not, not. I don't mean to say it like, oh, I was going to make all this money, but at one time, like, this idea that because I'm kind of cynical about social media, and this person reached out and said we we could use that. I mean, you can use anything. And if it's going to promote a brand or whatever it might be, now you have to commit. This will be very interesting. That's the other aspect of this. They're not giving you money for nothing. I mean, it takes up, it can take up a lot of time. And you have to commit. Now, think about this. If you're a student athlete and you're, you know, you're going to school and you're trying to get your grades and also be the best, in this case, let's say, football player that you can be. Now, we're going to need you to post, I don't know, six times a day drinking out of this cup or in front of this whatever, you know, uh, It'll be fascinating. Uh, but I don't really care if a kid, you know, if you're a star player and the local car lot wants to give you money to drive, you know, a, 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 an Xfinity QX80, Infinity QX80, excuse me, then, you know, good. Good for you. You get to drive the QX80. That's not, <laughs> I, don't, I just don't, I'm just not upset about this. I think what's more revealing than anything else is that we are in a, in a place now where it feels like the NCAA has no control. And that's what makes people wring their hands more than anything else. And, and, and there were, we were leading to this point. We've been saying for uh, some time now, for a handful of years, well, the Power Five has kind of told the NCAA to kick rocks numerous times. And every important decision that gets made 
seems to suggest that the Power Five are doing things differently than everybody else. And since there's no czar of college football or a uniformity that people agree upon from conference to conference, since that doesn't exist, what is the NCAA here for? Which is, in essence, a collection of universities and, uh, you know, NCAA presidents and athletic directors agreeing to fly the banner of the NCAA and these certain rules. But if we're not if we're not going to be able to agree on this and how things should be implemented or done or when they should be done, then we really don't have an NCAA enforcement. Uh, and and it, it's felt like that for some time now. So this just feels like more of the, more of the same. It, it's, we, we've expedited it, finally. Chef Cambridge on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Drama. Music hitting your heart.